0: Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Greetings, listeners. I'm Marie McMillan, the host of the Head to Toe podcast, and I am very excited to share a special trending topics episode with you today. Graduation. Most of us out there have been through it, but before the celebration comes the work. The classes, the papers, the research, the tears, the sleepless nights, the study groups, the cramming, the overworking yourself into academic oblivion so you can don that long, flowy gown, square hat, and tassel. It's that time of year, right? I haven't attended a graduation ceremony in a really long time. But this June of 2018, I find myself feeling nostalgic. Just how many residency classes have I seen go through my hospital now? How many nursing students have I precepted over the years that are out there working now? What are my friends in the nursing tribe working towards next? Every July, at teaching hospitals across the country, new doctors pour in, get their pagers, and go to work. Now, it's not so much like the pilot of Grey's Anatomy, but it does make me think about the whirlwind of emotions that surrounds graduation. I thought, there's got to be some good storytelling in that. So, here we are, a themed trending topics episode. I set out to interview recent graduates, and I started my reflective quest with Dr. Samantha Kuba, a physician I've had the privilege of working with over the last few years. She's graduating her three-year medical residency and is going on to an infectious disease fellowship in Iowa. She took the time to sit down with me for a much-needed beer, and she shared her thoughts on the last three arduous years of physician training. In your own words, can you describe what residency was like for you?
1: First off, just to comfort the people listening it wasn't as bad as i thought you you go in very wide-eyed really thinking you know a lot and then uh, quickly realizing that you know nothing because you learn a lot in medical school but there's a reason that we do a residency but it was it was great, you know. You see people on sometimes okay days, most times not their best days, because that's why they're they're in to see you. Very very humbling. Um, but overall, it, I I had a fantastic residency experience. I am excited to be done in a month. But it was it was it was a great experience.
0: Who or what got you through it?
1: I would say people outside of the hospital that had nothing to do with the hospital were a a big part of what kept me sane you know everybody at the hospital your co your your coworkers, workers people in your residency class as well as everybody else that that works with you whether that be nurses pharmacists they 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 also play a big role but I think having the the extra piece of people that don't want to talk about medicine don't want to talk about healthcare, having having a little bit of a break is uh is really really important to to being able to kind of relax and um decompress from work because sometimes the days are can be very, very stressful. So maybe after you're done
0: with this podcast, listen to something entirely different. (laughs) Is there an anecdote or a story from your three-year residency that is extraordinary or memorable to you?
1: Yeah, I have one from my intern year that played a big part as to how I how I went through the next the next two and a half years. I took care of a patient older gentleman. He had metastatic lung cancer and he had uh, metastasis or the, the cancer had spread to his liver and he had come in the day before Thanksgiving. He needed a, a stent or a, something that kind of blocked open a portion of his small intestine um, so that he could still eat. So he had come in just for that procedure. During that procedure he suffered a complication right after uh, and ended up having a perforation or a hole in four different places along his esophagus and in his small intestine they didn't know that during the procedure they we noticed that at about 530 p.m and I was the I was the only one from my care team still at the hospital I, I got called by the nurse to to go evaluate him and it was it was very obvious he had a tense abdomen and we did a chest x-ray and, and it, it had showed that I called my senior resident, and they were stuck in traffic because they were heading home. So the day before Thanksgiving, called the doctor that performed the procedure, and he was stuck in traffic heading home for Thanksgiving. And I called the uh, the oncologist who was my attending, and it, same story. And I just kept going round and round, and there was there was not anyone there. I, I I grabbed one of the senior residents who kind of walked me through everything, and we ended up having to transition this very wonderful, very vivacious gentleman from you know full code like he just he he knew he knew he had a terminal illness, but he thought he had more time to do not resuscitate you know interventions to um, comfort care and he actually died that night the the end of that story was during that his hospitalization he was writing he called them love letters they were people on his care team and He wrote them to, you know, his nurses and his physicians. And after everything happened in the hospital, his wife made sure that everyone received them. So about three months later, I got a letter from that particular patient and I had to, I was on my ICU rotation that time and I needed to go in the back room and compose myself. That's one that I I will remember absolutely forever.
0: Good reminders of why we do what we do, right? Like, it's not just a diagnosis or a head to toe presentation in rounds. It's like, it's a person. And like, those are really awesome reminders. And I hope you get to keep that letter. How do you feel about graduating into the real world?
1: I'm a little terrified. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm I'm really excited. I think every every step, whether or not it be from undergrad to medical school, or or undergrad to you know whatever program, even even pre-nursing to nursing school, when you start dealing with patients, it's a step. Um, and it's a big step, and it's scary. And the the step from being a resident to a licensed physician, um, in my particular situation, I'm going on to a fellowship, and so I'll still kind of have oversight. But the, the higher you go, the less so that you have oversight. So even though I'm excited, I'm still trying to remember, be be humble um, and remember, uh, I mean, I think the best quote I had ever heard from a physician was the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know, which is something that has helped me all the way through residency because you need to know what you don't know. Um, But I'm hoping that that continues to help me in fellowship.
0: What advice do you have for those medical school graduates out there who will be starting their residency next month?
1: Take a deep breath. If any of your medical school professors ever told you to read the book House of God, you should read it, but it's strange and don't picture any of your professors when you read it because there's parts of it that are a little scandalous. But really, for for all of it, just take a breath. Know who you can ask. Um, nobody know nobody expects that you know all the answers to everything. So if you are, if you've never been in an ICU, and I'm, I'm I mean, I'm talking to an ICU nurse. <laughs> if you've never been in the ICU, for goodness sakes, ask their opinion. Um, your pharmacists are there to help you. I, 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 had a, I had a pharmacist that, that was able to track down that a patient had a, an anaphylactic reaction to a medication today, and and when I hadn't seen it because it wasn't in our hospital system. So, I mean, everybody around you makes it so you. Don't hurt people. If we didn't do residencies, we would hurt people coming out of medical school. But it's you just have a good attitude and be be ready to work. You know, you 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 went into medicine knowing you're not going to get all all your holidays off you're you're going to be working sometimes on your birthday for the last four years I've been in an ICU on Christmas day and and granted if I'm going to be in the hospital that would be the place I'm going to I would rather be on Christmas they have the best potlucks Um, but that I guess that would be my my biggest my biggest piece of advice is just take a deep breath and and know that you're you're not expected to know all the answers.
0: What made you want to become a physician in the first place and does that feeling still apply at the end of residency?
1: So oddly enough when I when I Started, I did not want to be a physician. When I started in undergrad, I wanted to be a physical therapist, and the reason why—my uh, dad is a physician; he's actually a cardiologist—and I remember when I was little how much I didn't see him because he was very busy with work. As I was going through undergrad, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. And then I worked in a physical therapy office, and and although it was interesting, I there there was always something that i wanted to know a little bit more about oh i wanted i wanted to know you know why the person came in and I worked with a physician's assistant who said, "You are, you know, 19. Take the classes you need to take, and 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 try to go to medical school." And I never really thought that I was smart enough to do that. But it's not it's it's not necessarily about that. You, yes, you need to have a brain in your head, but you don't need to be the smartest person in every one of your classes. The m- vastly more important thing is that you enjoy people and you want to interact with them. And I think that that was the biggest reason why, is I I enjoy people. I enjoy hearing their stories. I love putting puzzles together. And that is confirmed even more with the fact that I'm a huge bug nerd and I get to be essentially the Sherlock Holmes of medicine in infectious disease. uh, And that very much still applies.
0: Well, Sam Kuba, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. After talking to Sam, I thought I would go backwards down the track of modern-day medical education. Next, I sat down with someone just starting their physician training. Newly-minted doctor Shai Yu Han has just graduated medical school at Oregon Health Sciences University, and he is beginning his five-year surgical residency this June. Shai Yu found time in his ridiculously busy schedule between graduation, his wedding, and his residency orientation to sit down with me for breakfast to ruminate over the grueling years of med school.
2: Medical school was both a really long time and a very short time. I think it's it's kind of like climbing a mountain. There are different phases. There's the preclinical phase, which is kind of the climb up, leading up to the summit, the good stuff, the clinical training. You get to the summit, you get to do the clinical training, you get to interact with patients, learn in an interdisciplinary team, and then you have to climb back down. And I think that's what fourth year, this last year, has been for me. You know, you interview at wonderful places around the country, you submit your a list of places that you'd like to train for residency and come March you you match somewhere. Uh, So it's really been uh, quite the journey with both its highs and lows. Who or what got you through it all? I think there are a couple of things that got me through medical school. I think the, the first thing was my classmates. They were amazing. The level of camaraderie and collaboration that we had with my classmates really I think made the medical school experience for me. Uh, we share a lot of resources, both during the preclinical phase and then also the clinical phase where we go through different rotations like in pediatrics or internal medicine or surgery. The classes ahead of us curate these documents to help us prepare for these rotations, tips and resources for studying and success on these rotations and, and um, you know, med school is tough. And I think the camaraderie, just like the suffering together, has has been really important. Um, the humor, kind of the ridiculousness of training sometimes, you know, all that you share with your classmates. My wife has also been infinitely supportive of me, um, has really picked up the slack where I couldn't uh, when I was on a tough rotation where I had to study. My patience, you know, I, I think in, in the preclinical phase, things get tough and you kind of, Think. Why am I doing this? Do I really need to know like what desmosome uh, subcomponents are? And you know, your patients really reconnect you with the original calling of medicine. Why medicine? They're the ultimate teachers. And then, lastly, we have two Siberian huskies, and uh, they have been wonderful in um, in my training. I think you know they they when you come home, they love you no matter what, whether. You gave the wrong answer, or you gave the right answer. They're still wagging their tails and their whole bodies wiggle. And it's just been really nice to come home to, two fluffy dogs. What are their names? Scotty is uh, the girl, and Fabian is the boy.
0: We're all in this together. Communal suffering, to be sure. What made you want to become a physician in the first place? And does that feeling still apply at the end of med school?
2: You know, I'm not one of the people that knew that I was going to be a physician from childhood. But I knew that I wanted to be of service, and I wanted to do cool science and math and engineering since high school. Worked for a little while as a chemical engineer. I loved working in Bend. Uh, Bend, Oregon is a beautiful resort town. I got to do some really cool science and engineering. I got to run my own experiments, analyze them, present them, and say, here's what we should do next for this processor product that we're working on. But it was in drug development. As you know, drug development, um, it's a leaky pipeline. For every compound that makes it to market and is helpful for patients who need them, probably 99 of them fail. And so to know that the work that I was doing that day, that week, that month, may not amount to social benefit was kind of demoralizing to me. And at that time, I was also volunteering with Ski Patrol up at Mount Hood. And I kind of realized that that immediate reward of helping someone was really important to me. And, And when I was thinking about what I should do, if it wasn't engineering, it was medicine. And so that's kind of why medicine for me. I think to get to the second part of your question, I don't think that's changed very much. I think the my entire life I've looked for work that was meaningful, that touched people. So I don't think that's changed.
0: Is there an anecdote or story from school that is memorable to you?
2: You know, when thinking about my, my medical exper- school experience, it's almost like I see them as like different comic strip pains. I think one uh, very fond memory I have is with uh, one of my classmates, Aaron uh, during the preclinical phase, and I had something called live streaming my first year of pre- preclinicals where the basic science lectures would be live streamed on our uh, Echo three hundred and sixty portal, which is basically like YouTube for med school. Aaron and I were fishing on the bank of uh, the Little River, and we had the laptop out, we had a hotspot on, so we we're fishing while learning basic science, and it was that was one of the most memorable experiences for me in preclinical years. In the in the clinical years, I think it becomes a little bit patients kind of take the forefront of my memory. There's one patient in particular I remember, a patient who had come in with kind of end-stage heart failure, and there wasn't much that we could do for them. As a medical student, you feel like you don't have a lot of time, but I actually had the most time to spend with patients learning about this particular patient's story, what mattered to them. Based on my conversation, I realized that being home playing in the park with her dog was the most important thing to her and so that really struck a you know tugged at my heartstrings because I know how important dogs can be. Based on my conversation we were able to kind of coordinate the appropriate plan for this patient and uh, we sent them back home with kind of a palliative care plan and a couple weeks later um, I got this in basket message which is kind of the secure email that you get um, in the health uh, system that this patient had died and had wanted me to know that her final days were happy and that she was able to throw Uh, Play fetch with her dog at the park, and that hit home to me what I was doing. Even as a medical student, I think you feel like you're not really part of the care team, that you're not contributing much to the team, and that you're really a burden because you you don't know anything. And I think that particular moment or memory is something I hold on to when I think about uh, when I look forward to residency. I'm still gonna have very limited knowledge. I'm still gonna be a learner. But to know that I am a human being, that I am training as a surgeon, that I will increasingly have more and more to offer, but that, you know, I'm exactly where I need to be.
0: Back to your, you know, you know nothing. Like, we all know nothing. It's all a spectrum. It's intimidating, nonetheless, to start out, you know, graduating from one, the top of your, the top of your tiny little totem pole to go to another bigger totem pole. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about starting residency? You said you're a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. How would you sum up your feelings right now?
2: I'm both very excited also very scared to start residency. I think, um, you know, I graduated three months ago in March, so I've had some time to kind of decompress from school, from interviews, uh, and then just live for a little while. And kind of with this time, you know, before I was feeling very not ready and just like mentally not prepared for the rigors of residency. And, you know, it's a five-year program, and it's going to be very arduous. But having had you know three months to kind of decompress and kind of reconnect with the why of medicine and the why in particular of surgery, I'm really stoked to be starting. I feel very fortunate to be staying at my home institution for uh, the next phase of my training. I know the residents and the teaching faculty very well, and I just feel very honored that I was selected to, to stay for training. You know, they really do feel like family. Uh, even as a medical student, they were very welcoming, uh, the general surgery department here at OHSU. I'm just really excited to start training, and also, you know, a little scared, because, you know, as you said, you kind of j- jump from the top of one totem pole to the bottom of the next totem pole. That's just the natural order of things, and in medical training and learning to sit with that and to enjoy the moment and and accept where I am.
0: What advice do you have for those just beginning medical school?
2: I think the idea of signal to noise really comes to mind. I think there's a lot of things you can pay attention to and it's difficult to know what those things are. So I think the advice to, I have to anyone starting medical school today is to focus on your studies, focus on your classmates supporting them, supporting yourself, focus on clinical training team, focus on your patients. All the other stuff is, is just noise. Medical school is challenging for a number of reasons and those reasons are different for different people. And I think that the most important thing is just to focus on what's important, why you're here. You and your classmates and professors and teachers are in that room to, to learn. If you stay focused on that, I think things will, things will work out.
0: Shai Yu Han, thank you so much for being part of my healthcare podcast. Congratulations to you. Shai Yu starts orientation tomorrow at OHSU, Oregon Health Science Universities, and he's starting a five-year surgical residency. And yeah, thank you so much for being part of the show.
2: Thank you so much, Mary, for having me.
0: Finishing medical school is a feat in itself, but what is also a gigantic step in the journey to becoming a doctor – worthy of celebration, is getting into medical school. The application process is full of flaming hoops and obstacles. Next, I talked with Kate Zaboroff, who just finished a gap year after undergrad, and she begins medical school this July. Um, okay, so Kate, can you tell me a little bit about uh, where you went to undergrad and, and where you're going next?
3: Yeah, so I went to Vanderbilt University for undergrad, Um, and I'm actually going back there for medical school. So I took a year off in between and came home and did some research as a gap year job. And then I'll go back to Nashville, Tennessee for for medical school. Awesome. Can you describe
0: what pre-med was like?
3: Yeah, pre-med was a very up and down journey. Um, I knew I wanted to be a doctor from as long as I can remember from the age of four or five. So it was a motivating factor throughout all the hard times. But You know, there were times where I felt like I was barely treading water, you know, with all the exams that we had or trying to do some research as an undergrad and and volunteer and and really make myself this well-rounded medical school applicant. But then there were times where I really loved what I was doing and shadowing physicians and seeing what life would eventually be like after accomplishing the goals. Ups and downs, for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: And the application process itself is kind of its own beast. Pretty rigorous. How did How did that go? And you had a gap year to kind of really prepare. So some people try to do it in between. Would you would you recommend that, or did you like that you took a year off?
3: You know, in 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 hindsight, I'm glad I took a year off. I think when I was getting into my year off and seeing people my age starting med school right away, I was, you know, a little bit anxious to join them as quick as possible. But that gap year really gave me perspective, especially working in a medical related field, perspective of what I was getting into. But also gave me some time to really prepare myself as an applicant. So. It is an overwhelming process to apply. There's so many stages, and without having someone in my family that had already done it and could guide me, it was kind of just diving in the deep end and seeing where I ended up. Having that gap year was really valuable. You know, just having time to prepare for interviews, to write up essays that I thought were um, really expressive of of who I was and why I wanted to be a doctor. Just a little bit of extra time and and time away from undergrad, I think differentiated me a little bit.
0: Who or what got you through the process? You mentioned your family.
3: Well, I, I wanted to be a doctor at first because my grandpa was a doctor and he would tell me stories about it. And I actually have his stethoscope on my nightstand. So he was the reason I got into it. He wasn't around to help me apply. So You know, I kind of um, reached out to our our pre-med office at Vanderbilt, an undergrad office, who gave me some guidance. But a lot of it was just trial and error and figuring things out uh, on my own as I go. The Internet is really helpful. There's this resource that I've been using called Student Doctor Network, where they have little forums that you can you can talk with other pre-med applicants that are applying in the same cycle. Um, and everyone kind of sympathetic to your cause. <laughs> you know, they are helpful with when they had interviews, what to expect, what to prepare for. So that was really my biggest source of guidance and
0: help. You said you've always wanted to be a doctor. Was there an inciting instance at all? Or it's just something that, like from as soon as you could walk, you had that stethoscope in your hand and you were like, yep, this is what I'm going to do.
3: Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you're young, everyone wants to be a, a doctor, a lawyer, a firefighter or an astronaut, you know, and. I had my grandpa that was a doctor and loved what he did. And I, I loved his stories. He was an in internal medicine. And so he would just talk to me about this wide variety of patients he saw. And, and I knew, you know, what a doctor kind of maybe meant. And <laughs> so I chose doctor. But when I was in elementary school, I broke my arm and ended up having to have surgery on it. And I remember kind of laying in this hospital bed. And before the surgery started, I had my mom write up this list of questions that I wanted to ask the, the surgeon, you know dumb questions that a kid has. Uh, How do you know it's broken? And how are you going to fix it? And things like that. Um, And before the surgery, that surgeon sat on my bedside and he went through that little notebook piece of paper and answered every question I had. And I still remember that to this day. And I loved that. He calmed me down. He talked to me like I was an adult, though I was probably 10. He made me kind of want to be in, in pediatrics or pediatric surgery. That's what I'm interested in, at least initially. But I guess if I had to pick a memory where... I thought that was where I I really wanted to be a doctor. Maybe that was a solidifying moment.
0: What advice do you have for those interested in medical school or just starting the path to becoming a physician?
3: I think the the pre-med path is is often very competitive and anxiety-inducing. And there's so much that you want to try to accomplish as a pre-med to make yourself this outstanding applicant. You know, you'll hear from other pre-meds or from advisors that you've got to be doing you know, not only having good grades and good test scores, but if you're not volunteering or, or taking leadership positions or researching, all these things you know that you're behind. But I would say from my experience, finding one or two things that really interest you. So if you want to be in academic medicine, doing research or you're really passionate about what you're looking at and what you're studying or um, if service is, is what you're interested in um, and, and serving communities in whatever way you can, I, I think just finding one or two things that you're passionate about. Will make the whole experience so much better in the long run than trying to spread yourself too thin and and being overwhelmed at the the daunting task that's in front of you. I I think you can break it down and make it make it something that's personal and individualized. Awesome, well said. Pediatric surgery.
0: Best of luck to you in school starting, and I think I think you're gonna be great.
3: Thank you, and we're really looking forward to it. It'll be a long journey, but but worth it in the end.
0: a long journey but worth it in the end. I think that's a great summary. What I gathered from these present and future physicians is that communal suffering is a huge coping mechanism. So hang on to each other and focus on that step directly in front of you, not the 1000 steps after that. Hey guys, we're about halfway through the episode. Now's a great time to take a break if you want. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you a little message from our sponsor. Hey, listeners, now is a great time for me to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the podcast sponsor, Lux Pillow. Are you getting good quality sleep? No, you're not alone. One in three Americans suffer from poor sleep, according to the CDC. I feel like everyone who has just graduated out there is probably locking in sleep and you probably deserve a good night's rest, right? Maybe a graduation present for somebody out there. All right, go check out Lux Pillows products which are made with 3C technology, structure and support in one pillow. Lux Pillows goal is to help you fall asleep fast, feel better and achieve more. You guys, I've got two of their pillows and I got to say, good sleep is worth the investment. Quit tossing and turning and get your best sleep ever with a Lux Pillow at luxpillow.com. That's L U X E pillow.com and be sure to use the special coupon code for head to toe listeners, which you can hear at the very end of the episode. Stay tuned and now Back to the show. Now, I did not go to medical school. As many of you know, I went to nursing school. Just four painful undergraduate years of class and clinicals to earn a bachelor's of science. Then the board exam, then on-the-job training and orientation that lasts anywhere from two to 20 weeks. And then you're autonomous. It's a track that many nurses have taken. It's been nine years since I graduated, which is long enough for me to successfully block out the memories of academic horror. So as part of this graduation episode, I decided I needed a refresher on that brand new nurse feeling. From what I remember, it is terrifying. I Skyped with KP Mendoza, a new graduate nurse fresh from the cap and gown ceremony at New York University. So, KP Mendoza has just graduated with his BSN from New York University. Congratulations.
4: Thank you so much, Mary. I appreciate it.
0: What were some personal challenges? Like when you look back at nursing school and you think, oh my God, that was really hard.
4: I would have to say I I tend to be a very involved person uh, to the point where I'm almost too involved. And I like to spread myself thin. The challenge wasn't so much nursing school itself, so much as it was balancing what my passions are and and also the fact that I'm choosing a career that is very demanding of my time and how do I negotiate with myself studying in academics while also saying I want to get the most out of my four years here. There wasn't any particular instance. I definitely had nights where I was like breaking down. I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I would say the last two years, uh, because I became a resident assistant, an RA my junior and senior year, and I think balancing caring for other people was a good practice of caring for people in the in the hospital, but simultaneously it was a nice uh, introduction into how I should be able to care for myself as well, and I think that was really was a struggle. was, you know when you're learning to care for other people, how do you also learn to care for yourself? Which I feel like not all universities or schools, for that matter, of nursing really instill or teach. But I would say the last two years, in particular, especially that first semester, getting your feet wet, like learning what it's like to feel like a nursing student in the hospital and what I should conduct yourself. I think that was really a challenge was making that transition from the classroom to the clinical setting.
0: I'm glad you brought that up, that self-care component, because you're right. I mean, I don't remember anybody talking about that ever in nursing school. <laughs> and, and it's true. And it translates to the real world as far as working goes, because, you know, it's, it's a giving pro- profession and it is hard to, you know, balance those things out. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that school programs are, are sort of teaching you how to balance those things. So you kind of answered my next question of who or what got you through it. And when I think about school, I think about minoring in theater and a lot of beer pong. That <laughs>
4: I would say what got me through definitely my family. I have to credit my family, mainly my, my parents. The number of times I would call them, because my parents work night shifts. My my parents are nurses, contact.
0: Oh, um, there it
4: is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my mom loves the night shift, so I would, you know, if I'm like having a night where like I'm up until two or three, like cramming something, you know, I seldom call upon my mother, like she's... Kind of a last resort. I like to think that I can resolve issues on my own. I remember actually there is one instance that I kind of broke down. I like remember calling my mom. I think it was like 1.30 or two in the morning. There's no way I can memorize this information in time for my first pharmacology exam. And I remember calling my mom and I was like, how, like, how do I get through this? Like how? And she was able to be there for research. But then again, I acknowledge the fact that she's also a nurse. So she has some background to like really get me through things. And then of course the school, my mentor particularly, Dr. Slater. He was in my he's been my mentor and advisor since my first year at NYU. He's really seen me transition and grow. And I think whenever I'm like freaking out or I just need to stop by his office, he's always been there. And I think that goes for a lot of professors. I've never felt like I've I couldn't access a professor. I like to say that the NYU faculty is particularly giving with their time. And I think if it wasn't for them, I would not be as competent nor as confident as I am today.
0: What made you want to become a nurse in the first place? I'm guessing this is going to be a short shout out to your parents. And uh, does that feeling still apply at the end of school?
4: So my parents are both nurses. They immigrated from the Philippines here. They met while they're actually working as nurses. And so I think all my life I wanted to, I remember when I was a kid, they asked us to draw what we wanted to become when we were in second grade and I you like a surgeon. And it's funny because when I was applying to schools, I considered pre-med and I, I think I would have gone through it, not really realizing what I was getting myself into. I'm really happy I chose nursing. I think that had I chosen pre-med, I would not nearly have been as satisfied or as happy, especially if I did go to NYU for pre-med. I think knowing what I know now, I'm super pleased with what nursing has taught me. Uh, All I knew that I wanted to do was I wanted to help people, and I didn't want to sit behind a desk all my life. And I I always told myself I want to be active. I want to be talking to people. I want to have face time with people. And I was like, what is a field that's going to let me do the helping component, like the assisting of, of people in their lives, but also won't like keep me in school for like 10 more years. And I was like, nursing. And like my parents were both nurses. It's a pretty decent salary. You can support a family, and as far as how how I view nursing, I think I have a much more realistic view of what is expected of the job. It's not as glamorous as I thought it was in my head. That being said, I have come to appreciate the work that nurses do more now, and I think that there's a lot of integrity in this profession that a lot of people don't know about.
0: What is something that you wish you knew going in that you know now?
4: I wish someone would tell me that you know. Forgive me for like swearing, but like you're gonna have to wipe someone's ass probably in this (laughs) profession. I think. You know, small things like that. And it's not all like giving shots. You know, sometimes it'll just be giving pills all day, which is like great. I like take vitamins all day. Like what difference is it?
3: <laughs> um, let's do
0: the let's do the PSA right now, KP, for all those prospective nursing students out there. You are going to have to clean up excrement. It's yeah, part of the job. <laughs> you
4: know, yeah. And I, I feel like some people might laugh at that because it's like, duh, KP, you would think that's obvious. But the thing is it's like you really have to help people at like their work like when they're at like their most vulnerable be able to have that compassion but also be like this this simple act of like wiping someone is an act of love and it's an act of compassion
0: is there an anecdote or a memory from school or clinical that sticks with you
4: the one experience i have which when people always ask me like what was one of your worst experiences and i it happened i would say recently so i i'm a one-to-one i'm a companion Someone who watches a patient, usually just sit there, you, if they're SI, suicidal ideation, or suicidal attempt, SA, if they are elopement fa- risk factors, if they're fall risks, if they're you know, not A&O completely, or they have dementia, they're pulling out their lines, basically I'm there to stop all of that. And so I sat with this patient, I was assigned randomly to the ER, and it was the PDR, I was like, okay, cool. I've never been to PDR. This girl was asleep for like, until like 11, I was like, great, this is going to be a very easy 12 hours, like, hopefully she'll just be asleep half the day. I think she came there for a suicidal attempt. I think that they were going to keep her there for another day, and I, I think her parents had mentioned that she was going to stay, I mean, get out, and not stay. And I think the site team, after they evaluated her, said that she couldn't go. And it was it was really terrifying experience because she was like because like her her personality had changed so quickly It went from being like hyperventilating and like almost delirious to her being like oh yes okay and like responding appropriately and the minute they said no she like flipped back and she's like I I said what you told me to say like you said they would let me go And it was very scary I would say she must have been about twelve maybe thirteen at the oldest she was like screaming bloody murder eventually an adult psychiatrist doctor came through and she already been seen by the child psychiatrist doctor throughout the day. But for some reason, this guy who I don't even know stepped in and you know, I'm just like trying to ignore the fact that she's screaming, like I'm here to make sure she doesn't run away. And this guy comes in he's like, you know, your daughter is acting in the bottom one person tile of her age group, my two year old or whatever age of his daughter, this pretentious man's daughter. And he's like, she acts better than, he, than she does. And I like literally looked up from my phone because I was like, did he just say that? And she, they had given her, like, snacks, so she, like, threw her, like, little box of churros at him and her water bottle. Like, he just walked out of the room, and I turned to the parents, and I was like, you need to file a complaint. I was like, I don't care who the hell he is. That's extremely inappropriate. Like, even I'm aware of, like, how severe that was. And then I found myself in tears, cause, and then I was like, why am I, like, crying? And this is why I want to be a nurse, because I want to showcase that, like, nurses care. And that not everyone can trust the doctor and that not the doctor is the end all be all. And on top of that, like that men have feelings and we're not like people who are emotionless. And I really hate the stigma of a that men are nursing are gay, that men can't have feelings, that, you know, men can't emote. And I was like, this is the reason why I want to bring this profession to the forefront because, you know, we might not be doctors, but we have so much more to offer in some cases and we are there's a lot of respect to be gained in this field. And also men are not these, these rocks. Like we have feelings. And I was like, I, and I remember just being so upset. And that forever will stay as like one of the moments in my mind. I'm like, this is what defines the fact that I want to be a nurse.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry you had to experience that first of all. And good for you for sticking up and being like, uh, no, uh.
4: I regret not saying something to him in that moment. I think also one thing about nursing that's been a challenge is to find my voice. Do
0: you have any specific advice for people just starting nursing school?
4: If you're not starting clinicals just yet, I would say enjoy your time in undergrad. Enjoy it because once clinicals start, it'll be very difficult. And don't be afraid to get involved. Nursing is very much worth the late nights and the long commutes. And whether or not you stick with it for the rest of your life or you move on to something else, I think that you can't go wrong with with caring for other people. I think the best gift in life to give to other people apart from your time is that of their health. And I think the fact that you're giving both is truly commendable.
0: KP had a very traditional, very positive four-year undergraduate experience. But I want listeners to know that's just one version. Many nursing students do go this route but many people don't have this nursing school experience of four-year collegiate degree from ages 18 to 22. Many people get their two-year degree, go to work, and then do their bachelor's online later. Many people enter nursing as a second career in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and do 18-month accelerated programs. Other people do transition programs from an LPN or an LVN license to an RN. And many people taking all of these avenues to professional nursing Have a difficult time full of negative, trying academic experiences. For example, I never had an easy time with school. I was not great in the classroom or with taking tests specifically. Frankly, I loved the extracurriculars. I loved being involved, just like KP said. But I was not good in the classroom. I loved clinical. I loved skills lab. But those weren't graded. Those were pass-fail. My barely-there GPA of 3.0 didn't come easy and I had to pull all-nighters just to get Cs, but guess what? I still graduated. And truthfully, GPAs rarely matter after you're done interviewing for your first job, as far as nursing goes anyway. Once you get those first two years of experience down, generally no one cares about your GPA. I say all this because there are nursing students out there struggling to make it through the next test and skills lab, so you guys stay with it, Seek out the resources available to you. Find the communal suffering, whether it is study groups or extracurriculars. Getting that degree is worth it in the end because you can do so many things with it, like getting into nursing research, earning your doctorate, and working for companies like NASA. Michaela, thank you so much for being part of the Head to Toe podcast. (laughs) So you are graduating from University of Washington with a PhD in nursing, and now you've accepted a postdoc fellowship with the University of Pennsylvania with a study that is funded by NASA. That's just like the coolest thing.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Michaela Cordoza, a nurse with over 10 years of experience, sat down with me in a very loud coffee shop to give me her insight on her career and the next step for her after graduating with her Ph.D. and getting a job in spaceflight research tell me a little bit more about this fellowship and uh what's that what kind of work that's going to be
5: for you well i will find out next week but it's with a really um, accomplished team of scientists from the u.s and then a couple of people that have came over from germany and Australia. So, yeah, it's a really great group of people. They're a really accomplished and aggressive research team. They're within the School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, and it's within the center, uh, the Division of Sleep and Chronobiology, and their team is currently working on a study funded by NASA uh, to look at resiliency under stress. So they're kind of putting people in isolation and under stressful situations and look, then looking at like biomarkers and behavioral uh, adaptations that you might experience to see who's best suited perhaps in the future for um, like a Mars space flight. So they really want to make sure that people once they get up in space that who are, have all that extensive training and who are very accomplished astronauts are able to handle that long term space flight being in that isolation kind of austere environment for so long.
0: So many cool things you can do in nursing, you guys. You can work for NASA. How
5: long have you been a nurse? So I've been a nurse for 10 years, and I started off in critical care right away, um, working in a kind of large mixed ICU unit. Then the last five to six years, I've really done more global policy work, education, practice, and focusing on developing nurse-led research, which is something that I'm really passionate about, really engaging nurses who work at the bedside in clinical inquiry and getting them excited about things that are happening with within their own environment.
0: What made you want to become a nurse in the first place? And does that feeling still kind of apply as you graduate from this period in your life and onto the next step in your career?
5: So I think originally, when I first was in school and college, I wanted to be a physician, and I was pre-med. And then I got a job as a CNA uh, right after high school. And I really saw what the nurses did and how they were there 24-7 caring for patients. And I really liked that aspect of that intimacy and really connection with patients and families. And so that I think really inspired me to kind of change focus a little bit. Plus originally I thought, "Mm, I don't really want to go to school for that long. But at this point I could have gone to med school twice. So (laughs) that doesn't really apply anymore. I did my my master's work um, online. As you had mentioned, a a lot of people do that. So I did that in clinical research administration. You know, was really interested in research and I think What made me really focus on that is I like thinking about how we can have a global or a bigger impact on health and wellness and and impact on patients and and healthcare. And so I think having that um, training and be able to answer questions on a bigger scale is what really motivates me and gets me excited about being a nurse.
0: Is there a memory or anecdote from nursing or school or any of your experience that sticks with you?
5: I think there are a lot of things that I carry with me for different reasons. I think one of the biggest things that I think about a lot is you don't know what you don't know and how I never wanted to be in a position when I was at the bedside of causing harm to a patient because I didn't know something. And so that really drove me to work really hard to learn as much as I could to study to think, to ask questions. Um, So I think about that a lot um, in my practice. And I think also like not being afraid to ask questions is something that stuck with me and really being inquisitive and not being afraid to speak up, which is really hard. And then in in sort of more of my research area, a lot of things I think about are how you want to be true to the data or have as much integrity as possible with using the data. And so one of the things that our uh, statistician always said was all models are wrong, but some are useful. And so you can create sort of this model of your data. And it's probably not exactly right, but you want it to be as correct as possible and interpret it as sort of like within the realm that your data is as as best you can.
0: How do you feel about graduating into this next step in your career?
5: yeah I think you know you worked so hard in this last few months to finish your dissertation, to uh, present the data to defend, and then finally kind of get this little bit of letdown. And I really wanted to go on vacation, but instead, I had like three weeks to move across the country and start this new position because they needed me to be on the grant before the end of June. Um really exciting, but really a little bit crazy. So I don't think that it's really sunk in yet that I've like graduated I had to update my CV and to send which is you know kind of like a resume and I had to put PhD on it and I was like can I do that I guess I can I did graduate but like it felt kind of weird and so I haven't really like owned it yet I think
0: what advice do you have for nurses just starting out
5: don't be afraid to ask questions I think that's really important and learn as much as you can and the learning doesn't stop just because you've graduated there's still so much more to know But people are there to support you and be excited that you're there. And so try to find a place, you know, of work that really embraces new grads and makes you feel good to work there. You know, for the first six months I was a nurse, I would be driving across the bridge on the way to work and think, oh, my God, do I hate this job? I'm not sure because I felt terrible coming into work, but it was just because I was so nervous. And after about six months, I was a little less nervous, and I didn't get a pit in my stomach every day thinking about, oh my gosh, what kind of patient am I going to get? Am I going to get that patient back that I had? Are they going to find something I did wrong? So I think that goes away as you get a little bit more experience, but never stop asking questions and, uh, and do a lot of learning on your own.
0: What advice do you have for more experienced nurses who are just starting to pursue graduate degrees?
5: So I'd say if you're still thinking about it, there are lots of different avenues. You know, there's education, leadership, research, nurse practitioner type advanced practice roles. I would really just talk to people in the field and see what you're interested in. People, I think, are always willing to have people shadow them or meet with them for coffee. You know, one of the benefits of being a student is you can use that to your advantage if you're already in a program to say hey I'm a student I really just want to learn about your job or hey I'd love to just meet with you I'm in this program so I use that a lot to just meet with people learn about different careers and think about you know what is it you really want to do after really think about what's the longevity and what kind of return on investment are you gonna get.
0: Thank you so much, Michaela Cordoza, for being part of the Head to Toe podcast.
5: You're welcome, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to.
0: There you have it, five 2018 graduates in different areas of their career journeys. Hopefully you've enjoyed this graduation episode and you're asking yourself now, what am I graduating from? What am I starting next? Where have I been? And where am I going? For me, it's more podcasting, more writing, maybe releasing an audiobook. I don't know. Enjoying the summer weather, sitting on my deck, drinking a beer. I just want to say how impressed I am by the individuals I had the privilege of interviewing to highlight all of them are millennials. Two of them are children of immigrants and they live all over the country. If these five individuals represent the future of professional healthcare and the future of American society, honestly, I have hope. Dr. Sam Kuba, best of luck being Sherlock Holmes in the infectious disease world. Shai Han, congrats on attaining your MD, getting married, and best of luck starting your surgery career. Kate Saborov, congrats on getting into med school. I'm sure you're gonna make your grandpa really proud. KP Mendoza, a heartfelt congratulations to you for finishing nursing school, and best of luck starting your career. Welcome to the tribe. And finally, Michaela Cordoza, thank you for all the work you've done for your coworkers and the nursing profession. Congrats on getting your PhD and best wishes to you and your family as you move across the country and start your work on helping humans get to Mars. To everyone starting school or training this summer, I wish you the best through the worst of your communal suffering. Hang on to each other. Remember to signal the noise, persevere, find mentors, enter with humility, exit with gratitude, and take a deep breath. The rewards will outweigh the strain of the effort put in in the end. Thanks so much for listening today. To keep my outro as short as I can, this is already a marathon episode. Thanks for sticking with it, guys. You can listen to the extended versions of all five interviews at my brand new Patreon page at patreon.com slash Marie McMillan. Check the show notes for the links for my contact info at mariemcmillan.com and more references from the episode. Thank you to Lux Pillow for sponsoring this Head to Toe podcast episode. Go to their website, luxpillow.com, that's luxepillow.com, that's L U X E, pillow.com, to see their awesome products. And in your checkout, make sure to add the coupon code Head to Toe. That's one word, all caps, H E A D T O T O E, to get 10% off your purchase. And thanks to Rhombus Rare for providing the intro outro music of today's show. Congratulations, class of 2018. Until next time, take care.